reminder that you can get Queer Happenings for the very cheap price of £4 on paperback on Amazon. And the link is in the description for that. And only, I think, £2 on Kindle. And on with the audiobook. Queer Happenings, Chapter 11, Mr Monk's Underwater Playground. Mr Monk had been a regular sort of a man, so when he was asked by Phyllis Fairweather, leader supreme of the League of Antediluvian Inquiry, to design and build a new laboratory for scientific productivity at the bottom of Loch Ness, he had made sure that the laboratory was a regular one. Spheres were the basis of his design. Spheres were perfectly mathematically sound, and five of them would make up the perfect laboratory. He ran the idea past his husband and various accomplished academics, all Russell Group educated, naturally, and they all agreed. So, spheres it was. A large perspex semisphere was to be the hub of the laboratory. Half a mile in diameter, it would be full of all the computer banks and workspaces that were needed to explore the past in as modern a way as possible. Of course, the perspex nature of the semisphere had the added advantage of providing a constant 360-degree view of the bottom of the lock and whatever was in it. And with that, Mr Monk was especially pleased. Placed at equal intervals around the circumference of the central semisphere, at 0, 90, 180 and 270 degrees, were to be four smaller semispheres, only a quarter mile in circumference, each constructed from an innovative steel compound developed by Monk Industries, and each tinted with a shade of blue. These smaller capsules were attached to the central hub by secure tunnels, through which personnel could walk. Therefore, from a bird's eye view, or perhaps a fish eye view, as of course no bird would be sufficiently submerged to see the secret laboratory, the laboratory would look like a clock of spheres, which made Mr Monk extremely happy to see. Happy only on an academic and mathematical level, though, as in his line of work, hedonism was a pastime he could not afford. He was so pleased with the design, in fact, that he invested in research to reinforce the perspex so that the complex would stand the test of time, as he was quite sure it would become a place of pilgrimage once the work of the League was completed. It was a good thing he took this step, too, as it meant that the terrible explosion that, that ripped through the base on the evening of November 17, 1977, the explosion that had burned and killed all the laboratory's personnel, hardly scratched the beautiful semi-spherical domes because spheres are perfect, and nothing can break them. It was in the doorway to the large central sphere that Ramon and Kiel now stood, looking out onto the scene of devastation that greeted them, lit by several ever-glowing white LEDs that hung from the domed ceiling of this church of science, and the dark depths of Loch Ness smothered it all. That's a lot of skeletons, Kiel said, and then she was sick on the floor. Contained within this beautiful, transparent laboratory was a crime scene. Across the floor lay skeletons in various postures, some sitting at broken desks, others lying by blinking computer banks, others still splayed in ungainly poses in the centre of the floor. Ramon knew that these were the victims of the disaster that had happened here, the one that Priscilla had told him about, the one that had happened at the same time as the earthquake at Hillvale. The League had been playing with powerful toys, and it had destroyed the place. Hillvale had been public enough that clean-out crews could clean out the bodies and save survivors, even if the unholy rubble had been left untouched for decades. But this place under the lake had been secret, and so no one had cleared away the bodies, and there had not been any survivors. The bodies had therefore rotted in weight over the decades until a plucky young investigator and her friend had stumbled across them. Ramon bent and held back Kiel's hair as she retched and tried to hold back her own vomit too. The place was vile, not only the skeletons but the acrid stink of stale air, circulated by a decades-old ventilation system that only refreshed and refreshed the dead air time and again. After a moment, Kiel stood back up and surveyed the place once more. I would think it were beautiful were it not for, you know. Ramon nodded. I've never seen anything like this. All this, trapped perfectly under Loch Ness for so long. What did this to them? Kiel asked. I don't know. Something similar had happened at Hillvale, but not on this scale. I suspect it was something to do with the key. The key that we're looking for? The key that you're going to hand over to them? Ramon considered this, and decided then and there to be more wary next time she met Priscilla and the League. They needed to earn her trust. The least we can do is get the key to a safe place. Kiel agreed, and the two of them walked deeper into the strange laboratory as the aching lock swirled around them. 
The main walkway down the middle had once been lined with PCs and desks, but now only piles of detritus and rubble lay in their place, the final resting place of the gawking skeletons that rested atop them. And it was the same scene throughout the dome, rubble and bodies where once there had been construction and life. Something red blinked out of the rubble, once a second, every second. A brief red flash of light shone out from a computer buried beneath a pile of dust. Kiel walked over to it whilst Ramon was investigating the perspex barrier between land and sea, and she saw that it was not broken. She dusted it off and heaved it onto a clean part of land, just metres away from a loose arm bone, which she kicked to the side, and with a simple push of the button, it powered on. PCs in the seventies. These people were ahead of themselves. Monk Industries read the typed white words that ran across the screen. They flickered side to side, then disappeared, revealing a home screen with a single icon, icon on it. Interview, October 77. Crewman Seal, it read. Kiel clicked on the link and the screen went black, then white, then a video started playing. Ramon, get over here, she gestured her friend over. I'm some detective, aren't I? Ramon jogged over from the window, hopping over rubble. I thought I saw, shh, it's starting. The video was grainy and pixelated, but the view was nonetheless clear. A single light swung above a table, and two figures sat on either side. The people on the screen spoke. My arm hurts, I'm bleeding. Be quiet, Seal. You signed up for this and it's just a scratch. What did you see up there? Can I see a doctor? What did you see? Ramon knew, without having to be told, that the man asking the questions was Mr Monk, the architect of this place. It's God. Some kind of lizard thing. It was massive. Tell me the exact series of events. Me and Johnny were swimming up there, like you told us, and we heard a noise, like a humming, which got louder and louder, and then something swam underneath us. It was so big, so big and grey that I thought it was just the bottom of the lake, but then the grey gave way to blue, I could tell it was something moving. And is that when you panicked? We didn't panic. I was a bit freaked out by this giant lizard swimming around us, so I told Johnny that we should get back to the base to the decompression hatch, and I did. I started swimming, and, oh my arm, can I get a dog? After you tell me what happened. Christ, don't be such a tight ass. Fine, I was swimming, and I felt the water suddenly push me forwards, whoosh, like that. I turned around then, and I saw it eat Johnny. Massive it was, like a crocodile, but with big long jaws and loads and loads of teeth, and, and it was glowing, I think. Anyway, Johnny was just paddling and paddling, and he just looked so scared, but he didn't stand a chance. The thing was so big and just swept forwards and opened its mouth so wide, it just kept going and going, and it closed its mouth around Johnny. The last I saw with him was, of him was his hand reaching out on a forward stroke. Chomp, I heard. Chomp. There was a pause, but the tape ran on. Finally, Mr Monk said, and then, Mr Seal? Well, I swam, of course. They've had so much adrenaline in my, in my body. I think it made me high. I think it was digesting Johnny or something, so it didn't swim after me at first, but then I felt that whoosh again when I was just a metre away from the hatch, and I, and I gave up, didn't I? Knew it would get me. So I just floated there, and bam, next thing I know, I've been sucked into the hatch. I think it bumped me with its, with its nose. I felt like being punched, I did. It did. I wonder why I did that. A long pause. Can I see a dock? And then the video cut out. There's something out there, Ramon said. I'm sorry, what? When I was standing by the window, I saw a long shape move past. It was the only thing glowing in the darkness out there. Like the guy said, a tremendous grin spread over Kiel's face. Ramon, we've only kind of found the Loch Ness monster, she whooped and cheered, and then thought better of it, but continued to smile widely. I cannot believe this is real. We don't know what it is out there, though, but yes, I suppose it is at least a Loch Ness monster. Well, let's find this key quick, because I don't want that killer croc chomping me up like it did poor Johnny. Do you think the key in it are linked? Probably. It's unlikely that something like that would just happen in the same place a strange cult devoted to the ancient past would be based. So you're calling them a cult now? Rethinking your loyalties, are we? Ramon gestured at the PC. You saw what I saw. They didn't look that friendly. I'm still going to find the key, but, well, I'll see what I'll do after that. Kiel nodded, and the two of them split up again to explore the different parts of the room. Kiel continued to look through the PCs and found most of them broken or corrupted or containing little of interest besides their pure historical value, and Ramon, tiptoeing over the skeletons, continued her circuit round the walls. Branching off from the main room were four steel corridors, and it was to these that Ramon now looked. 
the first one she arrived at led into darkness. A pneumatic door that was evidently meant to bar the area from a general access jolted back and forwards, back and forwards, but never quite closed. Above, the, above that door, a sign read Exploration, and Ramon guessed that it was from here that Seal and Johnny had explored the lock and found the monster. The corridor led down to a waiting area, perhaps where divers would gear up, and leading on from this were two hatches marked Decompression Tank 1 and Decompression Tank 2, respectively. She wondered which one Seal and Johnny had been in. The corridor after that was marked Research, and Ramon had a peek down there but found only laboratories full of broken test tubes and smashed television screens. The next corridor led down to the living quarters, but Ramon doubted whether they could be called that with any fairness. It was one massive chamber, and it reminded her of a slaughterhouse she had once seen on an expose of the farm industry. Rows and rows of steel bunk beds, now fallen on their sides, had once lined these endless walls. At regular intervals in the area, there was a steel basin marked hygiene, and less frequently, a cupboard marked clothing. No room for personal items, nor any space for warmth. Ramon began to think that the word cult rather aptly described the league. It was possible that Priscilla had not known about these details, but somehow, she doubted it. The final corridor, the one to the immediate left of the entrance corridor they had walked through to get here, looked the most interesting. It was marked testing. She was just about to call Kiel to explore it with her when the floor shuddered and the lights flickered off, then on. Ramon whipped around. Kiel, she called out, but stifled her voice quickly when she saw what was now emerging from the entrance. At first, it was just the one. The lizard thing that had chased them through Urquhart Castle stepped onto the white light and twitched its tiny bird-like head first to Ramon and then in the direction of the exploration tunnel, where Kiel stood, her arms out in front of her. It was a velociraptor. Ramon recognised it from the movies and documentaries she had gorged on as a child. Another relic from an ancient age. And then, from out of the tunnel came more, another and another and yet another, until five of the things stood to attention in the main bubble, their tiny claws reaching out for their prey and their tiny eyes whirring like clocks. They let off a bioluminescent bluey glow and they bared their barbed teeth. Their eyes looked hungry. There was nowhere to run, that much was obvious. The things were hopping from one tendon leg to the other and jittered as if they stored an infinite amount of energy within them. Besides, they were blocking the only exit. Ramon was faced. Ramon was not a violent woman and considered herself a friend of ghosts rather than a hunter of them, but faced with five razor-sharp set of ghostly dinosaur teeth, she thought it best to at least defend herself. She felt around for something to hold, keeping her eyes on lizards at all times, and found a broken pipe end on the floor near her, something that had snapped off the wall all those years ago. It probably would not last a second. She looked to Kiel and said quietly, I'll find the anchor. And at once the dinosaurs whipped their pea-sized heads round at her and ran. Five dinosaur ghosts against one woman who had not worked out, well, ever. The odds were not in her favour. And she swung her makeshift baton at the Velociraptor that whizzed towards her in no time, and it fell to the side, and for a moment she thought this was easy, that the things would be dispatched in no time. But then three more leapt at her from the other side and sent her sprawling to the ground, and they scratched at her. Ramon screamed and thought she was going to die. Kiel did not think then. She heard herself call out, over here, again and again, and saw the dinosaur's tiny heads flick like switches in her direction. She heard Ramon's incoherent cries but did not listen, and found herself running back into the exploration suite she had just been looking around. On one wall was a row of switches. She had been looking at them just moments ago, and had been about to call Ramon over to look. There were labels above the buttons that said things like air pressure, sound filter, and emergency decompression. The last one was big and blue, and it she pressed. Skitter tick tick hiss. The lizard sprinted across the laboratory floor on fragile and deadly claws and slid through a gap in the pneumatic doors and into the exploration suite. All five of them ran in, and just as they did, the door made a tremendous sound and slammed close. 
shutting the dinosaurs in the room with their prey. Kiel did not know what was going to happen next, but she hoped whatever it would was going to happen quickly, because soon enough one or both of the decompression pods was going to open and flood the room with water, and she did not want to be sucked out with the dinosaurs. So, she jumped into decompression pod 2. Why did you do that? This is the thing that's going to open and let the flood in. And then, the dinosaurs were leaping at the entrance to the decompression pod, and Kiel had no choice but to swing the door shut, locking her in there. Great, she thought. Now the water will flood into here and not even get to the dinosaurs. At least there's the other decompression pod, the one that was not closed. There was a small hatch-sized window on the circular doorway to her pod, and through it she saw the tiny dinosaurs leaping against the wall again and again. Christ, what do I do? Is there any way to see all this thing? She glanced around desperately, hoping that the intangible will that had pushed her this far would have some magical solution for her. It seemed it did. There was a button just above the door behind her, the one that led to the ocean which read override, and she pressed it again and again and... There was a window on the door, now closed, that led from the main laboratory to the exploration room. Ramon pressed her hands and face against it, and saw the water flood into the room, engulfing the ghostly dinosaurs and sucking them out into the lock. She could not see Kiel. She could not see her friend.